This is Left at the Door, a podcast and vlog where we, a group of friends, get together and talk about things that we have left at the door in order to love, grow, succeed, or survive. So these are our stories and these are your stories. I'm Cassie Yoder. I'm Jesse Porter. And guess what? Today we have our friend Darby Poe with us and we are talking about a pretty heavy topic and it's perfectionism and the road that you eloquently said this before we started recording and it was like the beautiful and the messy road of like basically what perfectionism is and brings into a life. So I am Darby Poe. I work for Moultrie Counseling. It is a 501c3 nonprofit community mental health agency in Sullivan. And during my time there, I have went from kind of being the receptionist to now taking on more of a active role with our clients. Um, I work with them as extra support. I think everybody needs that extra person. So I kind of team up with the clinical team for clients that need extra help. So they'll have their day of therapy and then they'll have time with me and we work on goals and, you know, life stuff and just encouragement. Has, has that always been your plan? That was not my plan. What were you doing before this? Um, I owned a business for 10 years, always been a creative entrepreneur, always had an interest in mental health and advocated for that. I guess I just didn't realize that when I stepped into the door at the counseling center that that was the place I didn't know I needed. So yeah, it's been very fulfilling and I knew quickly that that was going to be my sole purpose was advocating and not only for community members, but for myself as well. Do you ever feel like when you are in this role that you're in currently now, and you said that you you feel like it's like the place you didn't realize that you needed. Mm -hmm. Do you ever think that it's helping you? You're helping these people. But do you feel like it's helping you probably just as much as it's helping them? Yeah, I think it's definitely been a pivotal point in my journey and raised awareness in in myself and advocating for myself and taking care of my, you know, wounds that I've carried for a long time and that I didn't really even realize were were bothering me, (laughs) you know, and I work with a team of amazing professionals and so... Anytime I'm curious, you know, I have a door to walk through and ask questions and learn more about myself and ways that I can use my story to help other people, which is the whole purpose of my job as a peer support Say a little. Sorry. I always think you're done and then you're not. (laughs) Say a little more about being an advocate for yourself. What has... What has happened that has led you to understand that's something you needed to take into your own hands? Well, I think we all have events or life experiences that have impacted us in a certain way. Every behavior, every trigger that we have comes from somewhere. Those characteristics that we have as adults came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goes along with the perfectionism and, and everything. And that that doesn't just happen, really. And when it taught me about advocating for myself... I think I've, I know that I spend a lot of time focusing on everybody, what everybody else needs. And it really wasn't taking, wasn't taking myself into consideration enough to really even dive down that rabbit hole. What is, it's like, we don't just one day wake up and realize that we have become perfectionists because I know I'm in the same boat in a lot of ways as you, Darby. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarities and, and all of a sudden I was like, okay, there is definitely things 
from even childhood mm-hmm. that have kind of just added on and then they added on. It's like, it honestly reminds me of a snowman. Like mm-hmm. you're rolling constantly through life and you're picking up more and more snow as it goes. And it either becomes this nice ball that then can become a snowman or it's an avalanche for someone mm-hmm. or for many people in your life. It just depends on really what happens and how, how you handle it personally. Yeah. And I mean, I've been taking college courses. Of course I'm, in the field and I know that it is scientifically proven that our subconscious beliefs that we think about ourselves are formed and imprinted before we're age 12. Mm-hmm. You know, so any kind of negative self views that's in us, you know, and we've developed all these coping tools throughout our lives to keep ourselves safe. And when you start unpacking that, you know, it is it's a beautiful mess. <laughs> really is. So you guys are self-identified perfectionists. I am not. I am the girl that is done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. At least I finished it, get it off my plate and get back to what I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always been that way. But being best friends with someone who's a perfectionist, you, I watch these things that are like, she's a really hard worker. She's very diligent. She's detail oriented. Mm But when you brought up the snowball, you're talking about it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And in my head, all I'm thinking is, yeah, but eventually you can't pick that up. Mm -hmm. So all you have is this big base of a snowman and then another big base of a snowman. (laughs) And if you're not careful, you can't keep building with that. There's nothing you can do with it once it gets too big. Uh Uh-huh. No, and typically the expectations that we put on ourselves are just our own. Mm -hmm. And they're trauma responses. They are absolutely trauma responses. And Mm -hmm. we've talked, Cassie and I have talked a lot about that. Or it's like, well, now that we've done this self-discovery work, you go, oh, shit, that's a trauma response. Oh, you know what? Maybe this is not one of my positive attributes. This is a toxic thing I do. Mm -hmm. But it's a survival mechanism, and it's a a trauma response. Yeah, I mean, our brains are created to keep us safe, Mm -hmm. and they will do everything to make us feel safe. Mm -hmm. And to rationalize the things you're doing to protect yourself. And in that, you know, we develop really unhealthy coping skills Mm -hmm. and that really looks good and neatly packaged on the outside and I think that was the thing for me for so many years I was I was an entrepreneur I was hustling 70 hours a week and I didn't have time to like process I thought I thought the things that wounded me like I was Mm -hmm. fine with Mm -hmm. and that I had worked past Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I got into a like quieter like I took a job that I was working eight to five I didn't have a business that I was working 24 7 and I had all of this I was safe I was safe Mm -hmm. and once I kind of settled in and things in my life were quiet and I didn't have to hustle and distract myself you know really intense triggers started coming up for me and I couldn't explain it. It was getting really frustrating. I was almost felt like I was sabotaging myself mm-hmm. and testing my husband, you know, like, oh, yeah, is he going to get mad? Yes. You know, not yeah. because I wanted to, but little things I couldn't take a joke anymore. Yeah. And I went to my therapist and I was like, what is going on? I feel like I need some serious, you know, therapy right now. I, I think I need to see a therapist. And she's like, you're safe, Darby. Mm-hmm. Your subconscious mind knows that you could process this now. Yep. And your inner child is demanding attention yeah, and demanding that you address these issues. A hundred percent. And it just, when you 
dip down the inner child rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> I <Wowzers>. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I started working on trauma and doing inner child work, I was like, I'm not trauma. Yeah, that was fucked up shit happened when I was a kid. It didn't traumatize me. Mm-hmm. And then I had someone say, my coach, she said to me, okay, tell me this. You know, how do you feel when something's not finished? How do you feel when your house is messy? How do you? And I was like, oh, that's what that is? Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, that's not just a personality quirk. That's a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And the other day, um, my husband, who is very respectful, he is just, we get along great. We don't do passive aggressive bullshit. We mm-hmm. communicate really well. Um, he was making the bed and threw my pillows on the floor. And I was like, that was really rude. And he said, what? I said, you threw my pillows on the floor. And he's like, I was getting them out of the way. And I was like, out of the way of me getting in bed? What? Is, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> so I get really upset. And he was like, oh my God, I thought you were going to sit in bed and make jewelry. So I was getting them out of the way because that's what I had told him I was going to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't realize that was going to trigger you. And it was like that word. I said, well, you know why you didn't realize it? Because you didn't grow up with Jeff Hensley, who whenever he's mad, he walks around and slams things and throws things. Mm-hmm. And it yes, seemed like... Clears things. Yep. Yeah. And I did that. I sat there and threw everything that... I was like, your dad didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't understand why that's triggering. Because lucky for you, which his childhood shit is a bunch of different things. It's not like there's... <laughs> It's different. It's just different. It's not that he doesn't have it. It's just different. And I said, it's because I grew up with this man, the only other man I've ever lived with. That's how he dealt with his anger. Mm -hmm. Does that seem healthy to you? He goes, no, and that's not what I did. And then he was very much like, wow, I'm really sorry. And I was like, me too. And I sat there and cried. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, Why I mean, am I crying about these pillows? And they just, it, it is something so simple that can just explode out of yeah, you. Yeah, it really yeah. does. Unexpectedly. And, well, and a lot of it's what you said, Darby, about the noise. It's like yep. when you don't have the noise yep. of, and the hustle and the busy and you, you have to sit in it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden things start popping up. And I do think that our society... We keep busy to keep hidden in so many ways. And that's a really common thing to even Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep myself busy so I don't have to think about X, Y, Z. Right. Or, oh, I'm just going to try to stay busy so I don't worry about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you do need to sit down and worry about this, Mm -hmm. this, and this. Yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, mental health is a pandemic Mm -hmm. right now. You know, I mean, always, but let's just be real you know and we're finally have a generation that talks about it yes which is massively new yeah and the because mental, our parents didn't no, no. we didn't talk about that mental health is part of health yes like yeah. you can't just because you're physically well and you're you know emotionally stable or you you eat well and all that you're not healthy if it's, your mind is still yeah it's up. all tied together it is and you know when we are in a constant state of like fight flight freeze and our body is in constant state of stress our physical bodies react to that. Gonna react. react to that. And there's mm-hmm. that book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think about that. Definitely read that if you're someone who um, has a chronic health issue. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because you can, it ties into a certain part of your body and mm-hmm. it, there's there's always like an emotional cause. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that most people stifle, stifle, stifle and just keep pushing through. And mm-hmm. it's like, 
it's usually to me like your last resort. It's like your body literally jumping out, trying to jump out of it. Of this, the reaction is trying to jump out of your body to where it's like you have not dealt with this for long enough, and you're going to now. <laughs> now you're going right. to, yeah. And then you can't, you yeah. can't run from it anymore. No, you can't. Not nope. at that point. Mm-mm. And I think about that from you know even the the like it talks about even from like cancers to pain to migraines. I mean, one of everything mm-hmm. that. And I even looked into it because of like, you know, I've always had infertility issues. And I was like, I want to look into this. And I was like reading it and I was like, well, that all explains a lot. That tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for some people, it's woo woo. For mm-hmm. some people, it's like, oh, well, there's a pill to fix this and there's a pill to fix that. And mm-hmm. that's all that needs to happen. And thank God for that. Thank God for the pills that yep. do, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that... There are so many things that it's like, what if we do this in conjunction? Yep. What if you did this and what if you did therapy? What if you Mm -hmm. did this and you got into exercise? What if you did this and you did all of those things? Like, but sometimes, and we've talked about this before in other episodes where our natural reaction is to not, usually it's something that deals with a relationship. It's a relationship with somebody else Mm -hmm. or it's the relationship with ourself. And those are the two things that we never want to deal with. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to. And, and I, I was so guilty of this. I mean, I threw myself and killed myself at CrossFit six days a week. Mm-hmm. Gross. Be- yes. Right. <laughs> because I didn't want to think and I didn't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I got myself to that point exa- of exhaustion, Ugh. those feelings went away. Yeah. You know, but little did I know. Okay, well, that doesn't fix that relationship that doesn't fix that you know Uh but it took a lot of that before I finally realized like I need to sit and I need to make the noise stop yeah and we I mean I think society wants a quick fix always I was gonna say that we want the magic pill yeah we do want the magic pill and like I said there's a time and a place for medications and Mm -hmm. magic pills Mm -hmm. and um you know but when we take the time to really get to know ourselves and that itself is a whole process you Mm -hmm. know not a short one there's no finish line yeah you know and I think that's what a lot of people need to understand is like when you go on these like soul healing journeys or self-discovery journeys like we should always want to be evolving yeah Mm -hmm. we should always want to be growing and knowing more about who we are and what makes us tick and what makes us happy Mm -hmm. and you know as long as you're breathing the journey is still on pains me when people are like I'm too old to change or I'm too old for this or I'm too old to I'm not gonna I'm just set my ways well why what else are you doing I just read that thing about a 89 year old that became like a doctor Mm -hmm. in like physics or something like that oh my god yeah I'm 36 and my brain doesn't work how did they do that And, and he just said he's like I just decided that like why not? That's Dustin. Mm-hmm. And I, I really was like, after I read that article, I sat with that for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I pray to God that that is my mindset. Yeah. That I'm like, there's always one more day. There's yep. always one more day. Like, why not? Yeah, why not I'm, do this? I think I'm just always like, I've personally always been very curious. I uh-huh. love gaining new knowledge and learning new skills and learning more about who I am. I mean, I may not have had it all even remotely figured out, but... I was still curious. But the fact that you're curious is a gift in and of itself. Doing the searching Mm -hmm. is half the fun. And not just saying, this is, well, now I know that. You know, and I think that there was, you know, I I don't even remember where I was, but 
conversation that basically stemmed around that of like you have two different mindsets Mm -hmm. you can either say this is how i am because this is what happened to me Mm -hmm. evolve or remain yes Mm -hmm. yep or you say yeah this is what happened to me and this is what i've overcome and it's basically a triumph story yeah of like yeah that shit was really really bad Mm -hmm. but here i am but look at me and you have little eyes that are watching you right and that was my wake-up call talk to us about that i think it was my therapist she's like darby you're so hard on yourself and you push yourself and you expect so much of yourself she's like your daughter's watching you Mm -hmm. yep and i just broke down because i never put those expectations on her yeah i'm like i've never looked at a report card because i don't have to because she's self like aware and regulates and she's hard enough on herself and she's like she's very much like jack her and jack are very similar and i don't Mm -hmm. know whether it's just because they're of being like only children so they're Mm -hmm. like old but i think they're old souls regardless yeah even if there would have been siblings yeah like they would have been this way Mm -hmm. but i see so many similarities when like she it's almost it's not that she parents you but it's like you just know that there is a level of trust with her of Mm -hmm. like you know she's going to do what needs to be done. And I feel like that with Jack. Yeah, I mean, where I'm like, he's, he's, he's got this. Like, I trust, mm-hmm. you know, and she knows, mm-hmm. like, I trust you to make decisions for yourself. Like, yep. I believe that you can. Yes. And so I don't monitor. I mean, my philosophy has always just been like, I just want you to be a good human. You right. know, like, yeah. just be kind and just be caring. And, like, she is an empath, too. And she's so, her awareness blows my mind. But um, How old is she? She's 15, but you know, she's going on 45. Yeah. I mean, she like, knows when, like, she knows she's an introvert. Yeah. Like, I like to be social, like, one uh, day of the week. Can you imagine how valuable that knowledge would have been <laughs> when you were a kid? Right? Exactly. Like, you know what I need right now? It's mm-hmm. not that I, you know, I, I what I really need is like a moment of quiet. Mm-hmm. It's not that I need a snack. It's not that I need to do whatever I need. Yeah, just a moment. She'll say, like, my social battery's on E. And I'm like, most adults can't recognize that. So you're so far out of the game. And Mm -hmm. we don't have the words. We don't have the words. Right. Mm. Charlie, we had a house full of kids for her birthday. My friend Jen has six children 12, 12, 10, 5, 3, and 1. Wow. And they showed up, and Charlie vanished. And Dustin texted me and he was like, Charlie's in her bedroom. She's overwhelmed. And I went in there and you know, our house is very small. It's a very, our living room is real little. So to have eight humans walk into that space is a lot. Mm-hmm. And to quadruple the amount of children that are now in my house is a lot. So um, I went in there and she was laying on the floor um, in her <laughs> underwear just looking at the ceiling living the dream living the dream (laughs) and in her nice quiet room and in in the rest of the house they've got alexa on it's chaos and everyone and my friend carla was there going oh my god i want more kids this is so nice and i love it i love having a house full she was her nightmare i was like hey sis what's going on and she's like i'm just really nervous Mm -hmm. because that's the word she knows yeah and i said why are you nervous she said there's just a lot of people out there and I was like, well, would you maybe like to meet one friend? She's like, yeah, tell Silas to come back here. Her one friend she already knew. She, yeah. She's like, she knows I'll, just, I'll take prepare. the one I know. I know. And, <laughs> and so she would like peek her head out. and But she didn't have the words to say, mom, this is overwhelming. It's yeah. a little too noisy. And I don't know what to do in this with this many strangers. Mm-hmm. So it was, I'm nervous. 
I get it. And yeah. of course, Dustin's heart is exploding. He's like, God, she's me. This is so awful. I was hoping she'd be you. <laughs> oh, it's just crazy when they turn into us, isn't it? Yep. You're like, oh, how'd this happen? Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So I guess then what is interesting to me is that we all three, we talked about it before. Like our parents didn't really more or less talk about mental health Mm-mm. in so many ways. So how do you talk to Bella about it? Like, what does Bella see? Or do you just not talk about it because you oh just gosh. live it? I oh mean, gosh, we, we talk, talk about, about all the time. Okay. I'm like, and I told her, you know, I'm like, I think there's a lack of awareness and in school, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a, you know, I'm at quizzing her all the time. Like, did they talk about mental health today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, you know, <laughs> do you like teach her the signs so she can see 100%. other kids? hundred percent. I'm like, mm-hmm. these are things that you need to watch out yeah. for. I mean, she's a little light worker walking I'm, around high school. Mm-hmm. I said, you, if you see something on social media, like with somebody, you know, that just doesn't feel right to yeah. you, you're going to know. And, or if they just don't seem like they're having a good time or they're in a bad place, like just drop a message. Hey, I saw your video. Like, mm-hmm. just what you know, I'm thinking about you. It's simple, you know. It's yes. just yeah. simple connection that so many people need, kids included. And I work at an agency in my hometown with kids I see all the time and people that I see all the time. And I think most people are unaware of the level of or the amount of people hurting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think working there has been just such a gift for me because we're all human, and realizing that. You know, our therapists are human and we all have stories and yeah. it's all, it's just normal to talk about. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have very real conversations with her about her mental health, my mental health. I mean, I don't go into like detail, but right, where it's like age appropriate. Yeah. yeah age yes. appropriate conversation, mm-hmm. which I think as parents, we should all be having, Yeah, you know, and give them labels. Like this is what anxiety feels like. Mm-hmm. Are you really, really sad and you just can't explain it? Like yeah Hmm. you know just we all need a validating neutral party to talk to and that can come as a therapist or a peer support specialist or a Mm -hmm. coach or just somebody outside of your circle that might have a different perspective to help you process things well it's really important i think that there was this belief system and i think that that still exists today Mm -hmm. there's a shift but there's that belief system that your partner or your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever should be your end all be all of everything. Yeah. Oh. Or a parent. Or your parent. Or your best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's my best friend. I can yes. tell her anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's heavy. It, it is. It's really heavy for mm-hmm. that person. And it also, and I know we've talked about this before on other episodes, like where Jesse and I have talked about the like lead balloon thing of like, mm-hmm. I have a lead balloon can I give it to you? Mm -hmm. Are you at a space that I can like dump this on you more or less? Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of really toxic relationships and friendships and marriages that are not like that. It is the expectation is that is my spouse. That's what you signed up for. They owe it to me. They owe it to me. Mm -hmm. And then when they don't get the response or the reaction or the empathy, Mm -hmm. then they're so hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think that we also have to speak to that, that that is not what marriage no, is. That's no. not what friendships are either. Yes, there's a level of it, of yeah. that support system, of course. Well, but and if, if you do dump on them and they don't understand, then you're resentful. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I 
have a lot of feelings. I mean, when I met my husband, I was very honest about the trauma that I had been through, um, an emotionally abusive marriage that I went through (laughs) as well. And what, you know, kind of how I wanted my life to look after that. You know, if I was going to fall in love again, like it's not going to be that. And so he has, he's aware of the things that I've been through and I've tried to explain to him, you know, why I get triggered Mm -hmm. out of the blue, even though I think I've fixed it. (laughs) Yes. But we, I don't know. It's not fair to him to just expect him to understand or expect him to hear it all, all the time. Mm-hmm. And when, when you come into a relationship though, and you're willing to say like, Hey, here's all my shit. Is this cool? Do you mm-hmm. wish to proceed? Mm-hmm. And, and they say, yes, then that's different. It's when mm-hmm. you get into a relationship and then all of these things start bubbling out and your partner's like, what is this? I was not ready yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're in a healthy relationship you genuinely want to give the person you love the best of yourself right when you're in a good healthy headspace and like, if yeah. you're a perfectionist mm-hmm. and if, you're perfect, if you do you want I'm to be not, the perfect version see, of yourself see i'm not a perfectionist but mm-hmm. i don't want to just give my husband the broken the tired yeah the, i don't want him to get the leftovers yeah now if i have to too. choose i'm giving it to my kids and mm-hmm. he'll get what's left over <laughs> yeah but i don't want my leftovers to be total trash you know mm-hmm. exactly and i think you know being honest about that and if we're not self-nurturing and uh, taking care of ourselves yes we can't show up for you yep mm-hmm. and i mean i even talked to my daughter about that you know i'm like i'm like I've started a practice of like when everybody's home and it's been busy, I'll go into my bedroom at like nine nine thirty and I'm like I'm just gonna write, I'm gonna read and hang out, mm-hmm. have some quiet time and be a better mom tomorrow. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm the owner of Bad Love Creative Co. I'm a photographer that services both Central Illinois and Chicago areas. This year has been incredibly difficult for me. I've had lots of cancellations due to shutdown. Prairie Commons Business Collective has helped me bring awareness to my clients. The marketing has let people know that I'm still here and I'm taking clients. I'm taking social distancing measures and that is how my photo shoots go. Prairie Commons Business Collective has really helped get more clients and to reach new people. One of the things I love most about Prairie Commons Business Collective is that there's a place for everybody, which is something I value most. It's a community of people of all business types. So whether you're a crafter or a photographer like me, or even a furniture maker, there's a place for you. Make your day really all about vulnerability it really is and gosh you know it's so funny because I've always felt called to like share my story and 
consider myself a pretty open book. Mm -hmm. If you ask me, I will tell you. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to hide. And if I don't want to share all of my story, I, I don't have to. And I think as humans, that's, you know, we have that right. But And, and that's getting to somewhere where you don't have shame about the things that you've gone through. Too. Right, right. I mean, because we all have shame. All of things that we don't want to talk about and just getting honest about that or like, if something's painful for you or you're feeling a certain way, allowing yourself to sit in it, you know, like you were talking earlier, like, okay, where does this perfectionism come from? Where does this hypervigilance come from? Okay, well, I can look back at when I was a child mm -hmm. and see where that came from and why I was that way and why I tend to make everybody happy. And then I had a marriage that just further instilled and imprinted that on me. Mm -hmm. So, it's a lot to unpack, you know, yeah. like 30 some years. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like how you dodge the actual number there. Yeah, Kirby. only 39. <laughs> right, eh? So, yeah. Right. Yes. yeah. So, I but don't know. I also think that it speaks to one of the things that I always think about when it comes to unpacking this stuff is like, I mean, you guys know my parents and so many people who know me mm -hmm. know, my, know my parents. Um, and they're phenomenal human beings. And I got very lucky, you know. But at the end of the day, sometimes I think this is my assumption. I'd love to know if this is, but knowing them, I think this is what it is. I think sometimes when I do shadow work or I start unpacking things, they take it as like, well, did we do something wrong? Mm -hmm. Like that you went down this avenue of, you know, a very different spirituality. And to me, we're still Catholic. That has nothing to do with religion at all. The like, two are mutually exclusive. Yes. No, I can I can light crystals yeah. and praise and Jesus on Saturday nights. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and also want to be the best version of myself. Yeah, and also exactly. want to stop putting work in place of life. And I want you know. So those are things that I'm like I don't know. It has nothing to do with them. And I think that is the overall topic that so many parents mm -hmm. and partners can't get past mm -hmm. they take it so personal yes they think if you're unpacking this it's because of me it's like did i do this to you did i, I fail to protect did you I? from something yeah yes. probably but that's the human condition yes yeah and we always tend to forget that like i tell that to jack as often as i can i'm like i need you to know that my life is not perfect Mm -hmm. I give you very age-appropriate things. You know probably a lot more than the average 12-year-old because you are an empath and you see and you feel everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I don't have my shit figured out, Jack. So I'm going to fuck you up in special ways. <laughs> I, did. I just told him, I said, there is going to be things that like, so I told him, I said, I want us to talk about those things now. Mm -hmm. And I, when you have questions or you're like, why are you doing this? Or why did you do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want you to ask now and yeah. when you're thinking about it yeah. as opposed to waiting till your 30s and then being like you did this thing when I was 12 and it totally screwed me up yes and I, and I still think about it to this day yeah as opposed to us talking about it when he's 10 11 12 mm -hmm. whatever age it is and being like oh okay I can yeah. process this now and mm -hmm. now I won't think about it for the next two decades yeah and it, it's funny because I mean as much of a perfectionist like workaholic as I am I've always been like yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like <laughs> yes. I'm not perfect yep. and yep. I can admit that to her. Yeah. But I mean, even my therapist telling me like, she's watching you. You say you're on this journey. Mm -hmm. You've been doing shadow work. Talk to me a little bit about 
any generational trauma experiences that you feel like you're sort of working on and unpacking? Oh, yeah. I mean, I generational trauma is, is a very real thing. And can you define it for maybe the listeners who are not familiar with that term? Generational trauma is essentially continually passing down the traumas like from your parents or they got traumas from their grandparents or like my mom never told me she loved me. So I'm not going to tell my kids yes. that I love them. And then they're not going to know how to verbalize that. Yep. That is not my story yeah. by the way. Right. But right. Example. No, that's a great example. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. And it could be you something know. passive too. Sometimes we think about those generational traumas as like being really big, like, abuse in your mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. slamming doors my family yelled but but that's not always the case no, no. sometimes it is very passive aggressive and, and, and quiet yeah subtle yeah. and like quiet someone being a functional alcoholic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh they're functional right my mom still worked and she still took care of us yes. and, mm-hmm. you know things like that mm-hmm. so it's I, that's what i want listeners to know is it's like it can be big in your face yep. and it can be quiet and silent to just creep in yeah and i think i need to make a point to say too that trauma is trauma yep there there's no spectrum i mean I think a lot of people don't talk about things because they're like, well, I didn't have it as bad as so-and-so. Oh, yeah. Or mm, at it least wasn't I really wasn't, trauma. Yeah. yeah. But we trauma is just any experience that has impacted your life and continues to impact your life in a negative way. And the episode we did with my sister, <laughs> we talked a lot about trauma and she this was it was enlightening to me she said trauma a trauma is anything that when it's over you go what the fuck was that mm-hmm. that was unexpected it was unpleasant mm-hmm. and i'm confused about what just went on mm-hmm. so anything like you said it, it and it, it doesn't just because someone else has it worse doesn't mean that you shouldn't address the root of yours. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't make it any less valid. No, or, exactly. Or from a sibling standpoint, like all three of us have, or we all have siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe something didn't affect your brother, but it affected you. Or maybe right. something yes. didn't affect my brother or sister, but I was like, meh. You know. So yeah, it doesn't mean that everyone. It's not an inclusive feeling. No, it no. isn't. It, yeah. And it definitely can be different in sibling relationships. And I know that from a personal perspective, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, being raised in the same house, but having a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And that's, that's why I say, you know, we have the same parents, but we had very different childhoods mm-hmm. and different perspectives. And I mean, some people might not be affected at all yeah, and live that's their life too. without any sort of lingering and that's how I thought I was I was like I escaped unscathed Mm -hmm. and then when you start looking you're like oh maybe not though yeah you know but if you don't look you won't find it right and then going back to what you said earlier you know we kind of want like our ego wants to be like oh you know no we have to actually embrace our dark side as much as we do our light and I think that's really important like knowing I don't like the term toxic trait because I think all our traits come from somewhere yeah but um essentially you know what i mean like our behaviors that aren't very helpful (laughs) productive productive or healthy (laughs) you know we have to take a look at that and be like why am i doing this though Mm -hmm. i feel like listeners are going well i don't want to do shadow work i feel like i'm okay i just want to stick with where i'm at but talk a little bit about the good that comes from like cracking open all that painful stuff well 
I mean, a couple things. One, don't do it until you're ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be rushed. And I think it's important to say that not every avenue of healing works for everyone. Correct. You have to find what works for you. Yep. You know, whether that be a therapist or a coach or, you know, meditation, mindfulness, you know, journaling, just use the tools that work for you. Don't try to force something that doesn't feel authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, writing has been very therapeutic for me. So that's kind of been my outlet recently, diving back into writing and trying to use my painful experiences with purpose. Well, and I think sometimes that people assume that the only way to do this and to get through this is to just like head first into therapy. Well, that's not the case. There is, there is such a spectrum of things that you can do to become more Mm self-aware. And that's really what it comes down to is like, are you asking yourself the hard questions? Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult. We all do it. We all pretend. We all are like, hey, there's these things that I like know that I'm not dealing with or I'm purposefully just kind of, I'm going to push them under the rug or you push it down the road. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I'll deal with you just a little bit, just a little bit. Time. And we have time. Yes. <laughs> and so I think that there is like this, this line between make sure that you're ready for it, but also you have to start at some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise... You're doing your children no justice by continually living a lie and yep. pretending and pretending. And you think they don't notice. Uh-huh. They don't notice me X, Y, Z. They don't notice me drinking wine every night. They don't notice me um, just crying throwing, on the toilet. Cr- yes. They don't notice me throwing myself into work. They don't notice me uh, not speaking to their father 20, like every single night. Like People think that they're so good at faking it. But here's the other thing. And it's breaking people's hearts by by not doing it and being honest. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it for someone else. They're going, I'm still doing a good job for my kids. I'm still doing a good job at work. I'm still... But you as an individual are worth taking the time and doing that inner work. You deserve to be having a better life. You deserve to be Mm -hmm. living as your higher self. You deserve that. On the topic of therapy, you... If you don't have a connection with one person, try another one. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. shop around. That's one thing that people are like, oh, I didn't like her, didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But and, and I had that experience less than a year ago. I met with a new counselor. My OB recommended it because I have PMDD. Mm-hmm. She's like, I think you should talk to a counselor. And I was like, I don't think so, but okay. And we met, and I was very upfront. I was like, this, we aren't clicking. Yeah. And we appreciate that. She was like, well, if this isn't going to work for you, then it's not worth it for me either. So mm-hmm. let me know if you want a referral for someone else or if this just isn't the right time for you. Mm-hmm. And it was like, peace out. And that was fine. And I felt very good about not because I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, this is not what I want to do. And I don't talk to like, this is not for me right now. And mm-hmm. she then I met her and I was like, oh, she's definitely not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. I'm sure she helps lots of people. Right. And and that is. I, I hear a lot of that sometimes. Well, I tried it once and I, I didn't like it. I'm not supposed to do therapy. I don't believe that. No. I believe she wasn't the right person at the right time right. for me. Yeah. Right. And part of what I do when, you know, when new people come in, I try to get enough information from them that I can match them up with someone I think is going to be a good fit. Yeah. And I'm upfront about it. I'm like, I'm going to try to play matchmaker, but it, you may be better off with someone else. Mm-hmm. But this is where we're going to start. And just knowing that, I know that I would probably be a real picky 
pain in the ass at this point about <laughs> you know looking for a, yeah. a therapist because mm-hmm. well I work in it and it's and an I have expectations rela- and it's an intimate relationship mm-hmm. you should be picky mm-hmm. and you're you know you're going in there spilling your guts and you're like the shit you've never told anyone. Yeah. You got to have yeah. a connection. You know, and this goes back to when we were talking about the whole perfectionist side of things. When, um, I'm trying to think, so six years ago, during this time of year, it was the first time that I had, about six years ago, that I had ever gone to therapy. And it was right after my friend Lori had completed suicide. And I had gone back and forth as to like, because at that point I had never gone. I had friends that went and it seemed to help them. And, I thought to myself, if I can just maybe sort through all these feelings to be a better version of myself, like for Jack and for Lori's kids and like just be able to kind of be better foundation, like maybe that would help. But I remember going in there and I still was like perfectionist Cassie. And so I would talk to her and I was like, this is this is what's going on, and it's fine. And this, is, <laughs> and I'm handling it. I'm, and I'm killing, killing it at life. So well. yeah, I'm doing to... so good. I don't and know it's what's fine here, right? You know. Yeah. And it took maybe like two or three sessions, and I, you know, was like scratching the surface on like this and these feelings, <laughs> and like, you know, I had some real strong opinions about how everything happened um, in regards to that situation. And I remember one time getting to my car, so just scratching the surface, sprinkling some glitter on it, and walking out and being like, I did it, you know. Nailed it. I nailed it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, because I'm like, everything I do, I do well. Like, work is great and blah, blah, blah. And I get into my car, and I just start bawling. And it was just that aha moment mm-hmm. of, like, if I'm not going to be honest in there, the one place that it can't go anywhere else, mm-hmm. then what am I doing it for? Yep. You know? And so that shifted my mindset entirely. Mm-hmm. And I try to say that to friends, family, coworkers, people that are in that boat that are like, you know, I think I need therapy. What's, who should I go to? Whatever the case is, or this, the, all this is going on my plate right now and I don't know how to sort through it. Mm-hmm. And I make that recommendation of like, maybe you should talk to somebody. But I always say that. I'm like, you have to. If my, my one and only tip is that, that it's like you can go into it fully knowing that like this is the one place you don't have to be a per that things don't have to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we all have our own shit. Yes. Including your therapist. Oh, yeah. You know, and there are people too. I think that when I started therapy, it was when I was going through a divorce and was very wounded very very wounded and I was curious and I had never gone and I just happened to run into a friend that works there and I was like so tell me about therapy <laughs> not that I need about it, but, like maybe yeah. I should probably try it she's like oh my gosh yeah like everybody needs somebody to talk to and I was like well I probably won't tell them anything but <laughs> I might come in right you're going to control the conversation yeah present yeah because yeah, that's what we do as perfectionists <laughs> you know so <laughs> I I went in and I had the best experience mm-hmm. and was so validated and we didn't dive into anything deep it was just basically addressing my immediate wounds mm-hmm. and validating me that yes like that was abuse yeah you're not you're okay you know this isn't you know I just needed that validation and it was so many simple sentences that just was like 
well, damn, like, why didn't I think of that? You're I right. like this. You know, yes. and it was, it was such a great experience. And then when that's kind of led me to like working there. And since then, you know, I had a therapist that was straight up with me, which I need. I am an internalizer. I don't, I have a lot of feelings, all of them <laughs> times 10. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to dump it on my husband. Yeah. And I remember like our first session, she was like, so tell me this. Like, do you think you're a hot mess? And I was like, well, no. Like, I've got my shit together. Clearly, look at me. (laughs) I'm so put together. Work with me. Like, do you you see the level of organization this office has has right now? That's me. Mm -hmm. You know. And then I don't know. The next one, I walked into a room crying, and I was like, actually, I am a hot mess. (laughs) I think I have a lot to talk about. You know, and she's just like, I know. <laughs> I know. Yes. You know, yeah, that was cute. I spotted mm-hmm. you. That yeah. was super cute that you thought I didn't know. <laughs> you know, and it was it was just great. And I felt safe to do that. And, you know, I can't work with her all the time because she is my coworker, but I, she's my safe person. Mm-hmm. And she knows all of my secrets. And You're having an extra hot, messy day. Yeah. She takes care of you. I mean, she can look at me and she'd be like, do you need to come in and shut the door? And I was like, yeah, I do. I, I need to process this really quick. This has been really insightful. And I think a lot of the things we talked about tonight or today, whatever time of day you're listening to this, are helpful and shedding some light on mental health and giving people some permission to explore their own. If you have questions or experiences you want to share with us, we want to hear about it. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all the things. And we're going to drop some information and resources for those of you that are local and for people to connect online. So thank you so much again for coming. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. This has been Left at the Door.